Hello, good morning. It's lovely to be speaking to you again today. An um, amazing time of worship and those words of Job saying he knows that his Redeemer lives and God is really alive today and wants to speak to us. So as many, as, um, as many of you know, we're in a series at the moment as a church where we're looking at the teachings of Jesus as found in the Gospel of Luke. And I love the Gospels. I love that they're historical accounts of Jesus, who we believe and know to be the Son of God. It's an amazing thing to sit here this morning, 2,000 years later, and read about what Jesus, God, did in Palestine over 2,000 years ago. Isn't it amazing? That we can read eyewitness accounts of how Jesus lived, of how he prayed, how he relied on his Father for help, how he healed how he taught people about a new kingdom where life would never be the same again. His message was truly revolutionary back then when people heard it, and it is truly revolutionary today to us this morning. He's alive and he's here by his Holy Spirit. And he has the power to turn your life upside down. That's what he's done to mine. Um, And he's turned it inside out. And he, in the best of ways, he reveals what the truth is. He reveals what the real meaning of life is to us. So what we're doing in this series as a church is we're looking at Jesus as our teacher. And we're learning from him as his disciples, people who follow him. And what we see in the gospel is that when Jesus spoke, crowds of people gathered. Some of them didn't like what he had to say. And that's the same today, isn't it? We're not keen on people shouting about their opinions in the streets, are we? In town, I most likely avoid anyone with a mic and a bad sound system. (laughs) We're so... (laughs) How ironic. Yes, thanks, Davina. Um, Not a bad sound system, though. Not a bad sound system. Um, (laughs) No, we're wary of people spreading their views, aren't we? We're sort of wary of politicians' speeches. We're wary of religious indoctrination. We're wary of anyone who tells us what to think. But when Jesus speaks, praise God, that's what he's doing now, he has the power to bring life. So these aren't any old words that we're going to read today. They're not random sort of ideas and thoughts about life. Jesus has real authority when he speaks, and his words are truth. And they're always spoken in love. He never forces us to believe. He invites us. And it's fascinating. I remember Steph earlier on in this series, he said, Jesus was, it was unpredictable on earth. He approached different people with different methods. And you read in the gospel times when he was completely direct and challenging because he saw the, pr- the pride in people's hearts. Yet he was so gentle And so kind to the vulnerable. He was cryptic at times. He was bold and obvious at other times. He always knows what's best. He always does. That's because Jesus sees people for who they really are. He sees life for what it really is. And he knows just what we need. And that's my prayer this morning, that as we read this passage, that um, the Holy Spirit will help us to listen to what Jesus has to say. He'll open our ears. And we're in a passage in Luke chapter 12. 
and it's quite a challenging one, I have to admit. Um, It's called in my Bible, You Must Be Ready, which is quite direct, quite clear. But it's so important to hear what Jesus is saying because he pulls back the curtain on life. That's what I love. I always look for another meaning and that's what Jesus Jesus does. He pulls back the curtain on life and reveals what's going on backstage. We're We're just on the stage in the front of the curtains. But what Jesus does in the gospel, he flings back the curtains and he's like, look what's going on. Life isn't really what it seems. And that's what Jesus did all the time on earth. He, he just inverted things. It's not really what you think. There's more to life than just our 70 years here on earth. There's a time when Jesus will come again. And those who know him will be with him forever in a kingdom where everything will be renewed and restored. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> and the question he's asking us today is, are we ready Are we ready for this? Are we living in that light of eternity? So let's be ready for that um, revelation this morning. God gave me an image of a bird um, soaring high above the ground, able to see things from above. That's what a bird does. It sees everything from a different perspective. And having a bird's eye view on life is so important. I don't know what's going on in your head this morning, what's going on in your heart. But thanks to the Holy Spirit, he can lift us out of our situations. And he he just gives us this bigger picture of life. We can see things for what it really does. That's what Jesus does when he tells the parables. He puts things into perspective. And nothing... Or no one else can do this. We can try and sort of think, oh, I need to get out of this situation. But nothing, nothing and no one else can do this except Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And you know what it's like when you're completely absorbed in a situation. I get quite (laughs) absorbed in things. And you only see what's in front of you, don't you? You just, you're there in it, completely absorbed. And it can be really damaging I, I do really struggle with it. I've just been um, without work for quite a long time, or longer than usual. And your mind starts to play tricks on you, doesn't it? And you sort of, you, I, I found it hard to see past the fact, I haven't got a job. And you're just there and you're like, I haven't got a job. I haven't got a job. And then you start to wonder, what am I worth? I haven't got a job. What am I worth? But it's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. And what God does, what he really reminded me is that that's not the point of life. The point is trusting in him. Knowing him as God, who's committed to making us more and more like him every day. And it doesn't always look like what we expect. So, I will get there. The passage is from Luke chapter 12, and it's verses 35 to 40. And just before we read it, Um, it's significant. I know Rich looked at the parable of the rich fool last week. Just if you look, if you've got a Bible, just before this passage in verse 22, Jesus says, which is such a comfort to us this morning, do not be anxious about your life, what you will put on, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. That's so true. Jesus says then in verse 33, provide yourself with money bags that don't grow old and treasure in heaven that won't fail. 
Wow, it's this bigger perspective on life. Jesus rearranges our lives upside down. He reorders things. He changes our attitude um, to what we think is in front of us. And he just sort of pulls out. Big, wide shot. (laughs) You know, big, we see from above everything. Um, And that's what we really need um, this morning. He, He turns our hearts inside out so we don't get approval and worth from people in front of us. We get our approval and our worth in God. So let's just pray before we read um, Luke 12, that God would just give us that, those eyes to see the bigger picture in front of us. Shall we pray? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you're here by your Holy Spirit, God. And I pray that you would come and um, remove the blurred vision we have Um, this morning. You'd unblock our ears. You'd open our eyes to see you for who you really are. Lord, I pray that we'd humble ourselves before you, that you'd use this passage, you'd use my words, small as they are, to just glorify who you are, God. You're in heaven and you're coming again, Jesus. You're going to come and reign and renew things and make things everything right, Lord. And I pray that you'd help us to hear your word this morning. Amen. So, it's here. Um, If you'd like to turn to your Bibles, and it is behind me on the screen, we are in Luke chapter 12, verses 35 to 40. And it says, like I I mentioned, you must be ready. So it says, verse 35, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you don't expect. Wow. So this parable, like other parables Jesus told, is a story. It's a picture that reveals a spiritual reality of life. Jesus paints this scene here of the servants who are in a house and their master's out at a wedding and he's coming home. And the servants are waiting for their master to come back. But they don't know when this will happen. And the spiritual truth Jesus is teaching here is how they are to wait. You can see in verse 35 and verse 36, Jesus is clear in his instruction. He uses clear images that speak of being ready. Verse 35 says, stay dressed, ready for action, and keep your lamps burning. Then be expectant for the master to come home, in verse 36. They're waiting for that knock. They're there, they're listening, so they can welcome him in. And what Jesus is speaking about here is about the kingdom of heaven, where he's the master, Jesus the master, and his people are the servants. The disciples weren't to know at the time that Jesus was not only going to die and rise again on earth, but the big picture is that Jesus was going to come 
again. And he's going to bring a new kingdom where everything on earth will be restored. You see, if we believe in Jesus here today, we don't just follow his life in this earth because we're looking forward to a day. And it says in Matthew 19, there will be a renewal of all things and the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne. So it's not just about our work tomorrow. It's not just about who we're going to have over for lunch today or how we're going to sort out that argument we had with our brother yesterday. Whatever it is, all of history actually points towards this climactic event when everything's going to be remade and everything's going to be healed and God will see people for who they really are and he'll bring justice. And it's the answer to the longing we all have inside of us. God says in Ecclesiastes that he's put eternity on the hearts of men. We so desperately long for a better existence, don't we? (laughs) I do. (laughs) For when, when we don't hurt each other, where we don't have sickness looming over us, when we can see Jesus for who he really is. And on that day, when he comes again, it says we will be like him. And he'll be he'll bring both justice and complete joy. It's an incredible message to know. So if we know Jesus and we're waiting, we're following him, we should be joyfully waiting for that day when the king's returning. And and we're going to look at these images one by one, how we are to live now before he comes. So first, just have a sip of water. First, it says, stay dressed for action. And that, that image is so clear. Um, have you um, ever overslept and then realised you're meant to be at work? I did it once, years ago, when I was working at Blue Peter, and it was a big disaster. It was a filming day, and I was meant to be filming Socks and Cookie, the Blue Peter Cats, at the annual cat show in Luton. <laughs> so glamorous. It's very glamorous. Um, and I didn't. <laughs> I was living with my sister in Bethnal Green. I obviously didn't hear the alarm, and I bolted upright. And you and you really, you just—it's horrible. You know, it's like a cold sweat, and you're like, "What am I doing?" It's a horrible, horrible feeling. There's no cats, as you know. I'm not a cat person. <laughs> no cats. No go. No camera. And I'm in my pajamas, and I'm not. I'm not dressed. I'm not ready for action. And I know it's a silly. I know it's a silly picture, but I. That feeling of not being ready for what you're meant to be doing has this spiritual equivalent that Jesus is trying to get at. Not that he's thinking of Blue Peter or anything. Um, (laughs) The phrase in the Greek here for being stayed dressed is having your loins girded, which in the Middle East they're wearing long robes and they couldn't work, so they'd have to tuck their robes in. And I think the equivalent would be for us today, the phrase we have, having your sleeves rolled up. Are we we ready for work? Are we ready for action? Are we stuck in to working for God's kingdom? Or are we asleep to what God's doing in our lives? Are we asleep to what he's doing in the church, in our friends' lives, in our colleagues' lives? Because I was just reading this through this morning and and God was like, because I'm not asleep, you might be asleep, you might be drowsy, but God's never asleep. And his Holy Spirit's always doing something and he's saying, come come join in, it's so much better with me. 
Are we ready for action this morning? You see, it's so easy to be busy with the wrong thing in life. We have 101 other things, don't we? Things to be doing. We serve other masters. We serve our jobs, our relationships, ourselves. As if that's the end goal. But Jesus is saying here, when you know me and you're part of my kingdom, you can be busy working for the kingdom that will last forever. And it's a kingdom that's based on serving God and others, not yourself. You don't have to be, you don't have to worry about money. You don't have to build up material wealth on earth. And like Rich was um, preaching last week, earlier in this chapter, Jesus says that the person who stores treasures for themselves and isn't rich towards God, they're busy with the wrong thing. It's pretty strong stuff, isn't it? Such a challenge when we want security and control in, in our lives. I'm so bad at it. I'm realizing more and more my desire to control. It's really ugly. But when we realize we can't, we can't control what's going to happen, God releases us from the grip of fear and we can trust in him and know that he's our master and that we can live with a different perspective, knowing that Jesus will come again. And when we see him, like I said earlier, in 1 John it says, we'll be like him. I love that verse so much. If we could only, only glance a glimpse of his radiance this morning. He, he changes us. We're radiant. It's both, both the most comforting and the most liberating thing to know. To see Jesus, to see situations for what they are. To be working for a boss, God, who's ultimately in control and who's making us more and more like him by his Holy Spirit. It's just the best thing ever. So that's the first image, to be dressed, not to be drowsy, not to be asleep. And then the second image here in verse 35 says, keep your lamps burning. This is about maintenance. This is the continual, keep your light burning. If you don't feed an oil lamp, it burns out, doesn't it? It's not useful anymore. There's no light. You can't see. And you know elsewhere in the Bible that the image of light is about God's truth revealed to us. It says in Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What a picture. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Without God, we live in spiritual darkness. It's actually impossible, all this thing that I'm saying about seeing a bigger perspective, it's actually impossible without God enlightening us. It's impossible to see things for what they really are. That's why people don't believe, because they haven't been, they, God hasn't given them those new eyes, and that's what we pray for. That people can see a new dimension, this spiritual dimension that's only possible as a gift from God. Are we spending time letting God's light shine into our hearts, our minds, every dark corner where we might feel shame or guilt or feel trapped? Because the image of darkness and light is really, really powerful. 
It's used so many times in the Bible, and there is a reason for it. And when I was preparing, I was reminded of the passage in Ephesians 5, and I felt like God wanted to speak to us this morning through it. Um, Nicola, do you have this? It's in um, Ephesians 5, verse 8. I'll just read it. It says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper. And arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And I felt that phrase, awake, O sleeper, is here for, is for us today. How awake, how alert are we to the fact that Jesus is going to come again? Are, or are there parts, are we living in the dark? Are there parts of us that we just don't want to expose to the light? Guilt is a big trap. We're so broken, so self-oriented, so proud. And Satan loves to silence us and keep parts of our lives in the dark. But when that happens, we're not truly alive. We're spiritually asleep. But it says in, in 1 John, when we confess our sins, that God is so faithful to forgive us and cleanse us. And I had that picture, um, you know, in children's books. I don't know if that is actually. But anyway, in, a children, in my children's book that I would write, there, um, there's a child. I think it, no, I must have read it. Um, that's, who's scared of the dark. And they make out that all the shapes and all, everything in the dark are, are monsters and things that are really scary. They can't see properly. And then the parent comes in, turns the light on. Wham, it's just a coat. It's just your little hat down there, whatever. Because what happens, you see, if we're spiritually asleep, our vision becomes skewed. We make stuff up. I do it all the time. I think, oh, I can't admit that thought to anyone because it's actually just way too harsh or way too random or dark. And you sort of create narratives, don't you? I create narratives in my head that are based on fear and wrong thinking. It's wrong vision because it's in the dark. And then out of that lies spiral out of control and you're in a pickle. But what happens when we, um, when we invite God to come into those dark places of fear and shame, there is so much freedom. We get that perspective. We're like, oh yeah, it's just the coat on the door. And just telling a friend, if you feel like that this morning, just telling a friend or saying to God and asking for prayer is so powerful. That's part of keeping the light burning, keep, keep, keeping the lamp burning, getting God's light to shine into those places of darkness. If we keep listening to God and asking for his forgiveness, life isn't this scary, sort of obscure, weird, skewed vision. And God, God's saying, wake up today. Wake up to the fact that I'm coming again and that you can be safe with me if you let me in to light up the darkness. There's so much freedom that will come. And then, guess what? This is amazing, this next bit. 
If we as servants are ready for Jesus to arrive back as the master, there's so much blessing. See in verse 37 here it says, Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. God will bless those who are spiritually awake, not drowsy, ready for his return. And the reward is the most incredible thing. See what the master will do in verse 37. The master himself will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table and he will come and serve them. Wow. Jesus turns things on their head yet again. As the master, he's going to reward his servants by serving them. Jesus is going to look after us. And this picture is pointing towards the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus made of service to us. He came from heaven, his throne, as God, to be the perfect servant on earth. And so much so, he gave up everything. He gave up his dignity. He gave up his life for us. So we could become new again. You see, this is the big picture that God's talking about, Jesus is talking about here. And that's why we're here this morning, those of us who believe in him. We know that power. We know the experience of Jesus who who has done everything for us. And we're so, we, we need to have such grateful hearts. I'm just so humbled again this morning to think, Jesus, why did you do that for me? It's so easy to just get proud and be like, oh yeah, I can do it by myself. But God, he gives up everything. And when we give him what we have, he's like, I'm here. I'm, I'm getting ready. I'm here. You sit down. You sit. I'm going to serve you. And all the things in, in darkness, he just floods with his wonderful light that's his forgiveness. It is amazing when we ask for forgiveness. It's literally floods and floods of light and um, mercy and grace for us. I still, I just can't believe it now that when we, we just miss the mark with all best intentions, don't we? But God is here to serve us this morning when we give up our pride and say, we need you, Jesus. And we know that when Jesus will come again, the picture of heaven is described as a big wedding feast, as a banquet, just like here in verse 37, where the servants will recline at the table. They'll lie back. They're going to have a great time. In heaven, it says, those who know Jesus will be part of this glorious church of people from every culture across time, feasting and being loved and worshipping God, who's both this servant and king. And, and Jesus really does this. He satisfies our souls in every way we can imagine. And the challenge is, are we excited about this day? Just as much as we get excited about birthdays, I do, <laughs> or Christmas, I do. Um, you know, when we really look forward to them and everything's geared up around that. Isn't it? Getting the presents, making the party nice, inviting the people, all of those things. Do we anticipate that is nothing compared to this day when Jesus will come again? Absolutely nothing. Like the the glory of him knocking and us being ready, having that open heart. Because the key to this whole passage is the relationship between the master and the servant. 
And the final image here is a different one, where the servant doesn't see the master's return as something to look forward to, but rather is completely oblivious to it. Let's read from verse 39. He says, But know this, that if the master of the house had only known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left the house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you don't expect. This is a warning. A different image where Jesus' return is actually seen like a thief, unwelcome. He has to break into the house. In verse 39, it's such a stark difference, isn't it? To the first picture where the servant's there with their lamp, eagerly waiting for the master's return, open-handed, open-hearted, listening for the knock. Whereas here, Jesus warns, if you don't have a loving and open-hearted relationship with him, his return is actually seen as completely unwanted. And the servant will lose all his possession. There's no reward here. In fact, the parable goes on to say, there's a whole sort of second part to this parable. In verse 47, later it says that the unfaithful servant will be beaten. It's, it's shocking, but it, we can't avoid it. And the sort of summary of this whole parable in verse 48 concludes things. Um, Jesus says, everyone to whom much has, was given of much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand more. You see, it matters how we see God. It matters how we live our lives and what we do with what we've been given. Do we see Jesus as a loving master who radically gets his hands messy for us and serves us, never giving up, even though we repeatedly do our own thing? He is so committed to us. He loves it when we're committed to him. He absolutely delights in us when we give him the gifts that he's already he's given us to serve him, to forgive people like he's forgiven us. Or do we see Jesus as this dreaded thief whose coming is seen as a loss? I know some people who I've worked with in the past have, have said to me, doesn't your faith just sort of take away your freedom? Don't you lose out on everything? You can't do what you want. You have to say no a lot of the time. But when you know God's love is better than life itself and that every good and perfect gift comes from him, you know that life isn't about serving yourself anymore. You store up treasures in heaven. You don't rely on, on success of your own here on earth. Because we really, really don't know what's best for us. I always think, oh, I do. <laughs> but I don't. We really, really don't know what's best for us. And it's only when we humble ourselves and open up our hearts to God that we see this bigger picture. We see that actually 70 years in comparison with eternity, it's just a flash. It's just a flash. 
It's, life isn't about, you know, creating a safe place for us to retreat to. Oh, no, I can't do that. I have to go home. I have to rest. I have to eat. I have to do exercise. I have to get a good job. I have to get my house. I have to get money. I have to get married. I have to have children. You know, it's boom, 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 boom. That's not what life's about. Oblivious. That's, you're living deaf to the fact that Jesus is going to come again. And when you know that, he gives you such peace. When you know that relationship with your master as being someone you're so excited, you're so excited for, like a child, ready for their parent to come back, you know. You get so excited, don't you? That's what it's like when you have peace with Jesus. He's your master and you're there waiting at the door. And so I'd love um, to leave us with this question are we investing in the right thing? Are we living a life where we're so excited for Jesus to come again? Or do we live in fear? Do we live with, those, with darkness? We all have pockets of our hearts and our emotions and things we've done and things we think where we just feel ashamed and, we, and fear sets in. Are we letting God flood our hearts with light that exposes things for what they really are and then he can forgive and make us new? Are we waking up in the morning and thanking God for the life he's given us, the family, the work, the friends, whatever it is, the freedom we have in him? Because I tell, I tell you what, when God reveals that big, that bird's eye view and you know that life isn't about you anymore, you can let go of bitterness. You can get, let go of cynicism, of pride. Because Jesus is committed to making us fit for the king. It's amazing. He is beautifying us. From the Song of Songs series we did, he's committed to making us the most beautiful bride ready for him. And it's not about us trying harder it's about receiving that radical newness, the light that um, only God can bring. And we don't know the day that Jesus will come again, but he promises that he will. And we have to be ready for that day. So I'd love us um, just to reflect in our hearts now and ask the Holy Spirit to shine light into those places that are dark to help us to correct our vision where we're either not seeing, as it might be a specific situation where we're just seeing it's all foggy. Alice had a, a picture this week of in the bathroom mirror where it's all f- foggy. Is that the word? Yeah. And you can't, see, you can't see, can you? You can't see your reflection. It's just all misty. And we, need, we so need the Holy Spirit to shine into those places and to, to correct our vision, to open up our ears to live for the right thing? Do we, are we ready for the sound of the knock? Or are we busy elsewhere? Like Mary and Martha, who are we? Are we busy or are we sitting at Jesus' feet this morning? Because he really promises, when we, when we just open ourselves, it's just a simple heart attitude of opening ourselves up to God. He's there. Like I said, he's not asleep. <laughs> he's like, hello. I'm here. (laughs) 
It's so true that, that I love that hymn. It's um, there is no shadow of turning with thee. There's no shadow of Jesus like just turning away from us. He's literally there. He's there, and we don't need to. We don't need to be afraid of that. That Jesus is so committed to wherever you are this morning. Shall I pray? <laughs> Do you want to come up, Alice? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You're so you're so committed to us, God. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would just come and give us the right vision to see you this morning, Lord. I pray where there's any darkness in our hearts, any darkness in our minds that you would come and um, flood your light of forgiveness, that we'd be able to just ask you to do that. And you're so gracious, you're so kind to us. Lord, when we humble ourselves and pray to you, you are just so, you're such a merciful Father, Lord. And I pray that you just highlight those areas that we need highlighted this morning, that we would be fit, dressed, ready for action. We wouldn't be asleep in the wrong clothes. We'd be ready for you, Lord, because we long for that day. We long for the day when we see you. And then when we see you, we will be like you because we're going to see you for who you really are. Thank you, God, that you're just going to change us in an instant. And I pray that we would be ready for you to come again. Thank you we can rejoice this morning like we were rejoicing earlier today, singing. We can have that peace and joy and hope in the future, that when you come again, you're going to bring justice, you're going to bring joy, you're going to make everything new. Thank you, Father. Amen.